Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Scrooge. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. You, Hal Lublin, will be visited by one guest. One guest? Can't we do it all in one night? <laughs> right. We'll do it in one morning, one Sunday morning, now that we're all here. Hi, Hal. Hi. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Hi, that Hal. Was just, how are you that doing was, today? That's how I get out of bits, is I just become Jerry Lewis sure. for a second. Yeah. I'm just excited, pleased as punch that we're covering this topic. I love a Christmas carol. I'm a huge fan. I've always been a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And we have a fantastic guest, one of our dear friends, James Urbaniak, is back on the show. What's up, James? Mark. What? what? <laughs> I wear the chain. I hi, hi guys. Just getting in this. Is this the guest that was foretold to me? That's yeah. right. <laughs> Oh, Hi, thank you for you having me overdue. on this on this very special Christmas episode. I'm delighted. Long overdue. Thank you. Long overdue. Look, in addition to being a great friend, what I love about any time that we spend together is invariably we talk about actors and acting because it's something that we, we all do. share in common. In a deep dive kind of way, quite often. Super deep dive. So this feels like one of those roles that actors want to take on. We often have these conversations in bars, and right now we, we are presumably sober. But I think it'll still have the same energy. I'm high on life. This is not coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this does feel like one of those sit around and let's talk about acting characters. And this is this is a character that I use a lot of time when discussing point of view, Mm. because it's such a specific version of that, because. You know, when actors are like, well, I, I don't know if I necessarily understand the idea of what point of view of a character means. You know, if you're you're saying the lines, that's the point of view. Every Scrooge is saying the exact same thing, right? You've got pretty much the same lines, but the point of view of the act that the actor brings to the character, I think, is so well defined by this specific character because there are so many different ways to do it. And we'll discuss that because we're talking yes. about that very topic today. I also think it's interesting. You talk about point of view and, and for me, it's about interpretation because mm-hmm. the character is, it's pretty clear. You literally walk through the history of this guy who's been mm-hmm. let down again and again. So this hurt just snowballs inside of him. And then it's how that's expressed out, whether it's just like a seething rage or just a weary kind of anger. Like it's all, it's sort of undeniable who the character is, right? So it's just mm-hmm. how we're interpreting the way that that passed and what it means to be a bitter, hurt person that the present day Scrooge is. Another thing that's interesting is that the characterization is completely married to the style of the production, the direction, the yeah. writing, what the production overall is trying to do. So, and that factors into these performances as well. And sometimes it's sort of out of the actor's hands because every actor in every production is playing that production style, what that production is trying to lead with. Sometimes right. they lead with the comedy, sometimes they lead with the drama. And so that's another factor that's interesting in this, for this tribunal, the Scrooge tribunal. That's right. <laughs> so then w- what are you looking for, James? What do you, understanding the style is going to be different 
And also, like, right down to the version from 1938 is going to be drastically different than something you film in 2021, just because the way that we act on film has changed. That's true. Uh, I mean, part of what I think is important for me is it is Dickens, and I think there does have to be a certain theatrical energy. Mm -hmm. That's also married to an emotional truthfulness. But uh, I think there are some examples where people get sort of very naturalistic in a modern way. And I don't think that quite works. I think you need a bit of energy, but also it needs to be filled with something. So I'd say it's just overall. And then for Scrooge, it's overall hitting all the emotions, Mm -hmm. the early nastiness, and then the sort of amazement at what's happening to him, his fear and befuddlement, and then his joy. It's a lot. You got to bring a lot to the table when you're playing this part. Yeah. Haven't you guys seen the play yet that's that's happening in L.A. right now? Bradley Whitford is playing Scrooge on stage right now at the Amundsen in L.A. Is it a one I'm man fascinated or a to multi- go see it. No, it's the one that won. It's the production that won all the Tonys last year. Oh, right. Or this past year. Yeah, Bradley Whitford. Yeah. Could, yeah. I'm excited. And then there's the He's weird good. Guy Pierce version that came out last year. I watched the first episode Ooh. and then I kind of fast forwarded it. So I assume that is not going on the list. So this is it exactly is. what I'm talking Intense. about. Intense. Yeah. Guy Pierce. Well, I don't know if Oof meant you didn't like it or Oof just meant it was a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. It's a dark, sketchy, terrifying version of Scrooge. Here's the thing with that. I wasn't nuts about it. I think Guy Pierce mm-hmm. is a brilliant actor, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. He's serving that production. And I didn't really like the energy of that production. It's sort of shot like a TV procedural right. and mm-hmm. everyone acts like modern TV acting. There's actually a lot of sort of quiet, sort of quiet acting, you know, <laughs> Scrooge. And uh, I feel like that, and then it's it's very, very dour. But the interesting thing is set that against the George C. Scott, which takes it very seriously and mm-hmm. is try and is kind of leading with the politics, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh much like the Guy Pierce version is as well. But I think that's much more successful in sort of leading with the the darker elements. But yeah, I, yeah. George C. Scott's performance, it still it still feel it has to feel like a Christmas carol, right? Yeah, that that still feels like a Christmas carol. And I really enjoyed his performance more than I remembered when I revisited it because he finds those big theatrical moments, but also creates, you know, there there are lines you might encounter as an actor. It takes a while to hook into how it fits. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think he handles that the uh, more gravy than grave. I think. Yeah. Scrooge is incredibly bad joke. Yeah. I think his interpretation of that line might be my favorite. Remind me how he does it. Because he, you know, he goes to the food and then you get to see the whole process of him having the thought. You actually watch him think of the line and go, (laughs) and then he delivers it. So he makes himself laugh first and then delivers it. And it's such a great, a lot of what he does, of what George C. Scott does, a lot of those lines are almost aside. He's almost talking to himself rather than the other person. And mm-hmm. that is a really nice moment for that, that it feels like a lot of there's no right or wrong way to do it. But I connect a lot with that idea of those lines being things he's saying to himself because they almost feel they don't feel like they're in place with the, the sort of the flow of dialogue. Yeah, there's there's a danger in doing this where the show becomes like a pageant because we know the mm-hmm. story so well. It's like a Bible story, even though it was only yeah. written like, you know. 
<laughs> in, the, in the late 1950 years ago. Yeah, I mean, which in, yeah. is not that long ago, really. No. no, but it's not Bible long ago. No, it's exactly. But it feels like that. So every time one of these actors delivers one of these lines and almost every production uses a lot of the dialogue straight from the book, mm-hmm. from the story, oh, yeah. you're just looking for someone to make it fresh. And Scott definitely does that. He finds a new way and he, he makes it fresh. And in a way, he's kind of a perfect actor for that. Because he has an innate theatricality. He always has. Mm-hmm. Well, he's just got that bravado. He's got that bravado. And his is, I think, the steeliest Scrooge. He, in mm-hmm. fact, I think there's almost it. He's playing British Scrooge, but he, he has a, an American energy, which I think is actually good. He has a Ebenezer kind of pattern. He's sort of like the ballsiest Scrooge. He's like the biggest hard ass. Sometimes they're a little more yeah. fumfering or mumbly. And he he kind of co- comes off as like a corporate raider who suddenly has this awakening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's great, no question. It seemed to me like, and this goes back to the the point of view thing. Uh, I think a lot of the Scrooges. One thing that George C. Scott does really well. I look at like him against Alistair Sim, who I think Alistair Sim is brilliant, and I think we might right. behoove ourselves to actually make a short list mm-hmm. to really yeah. dig in and start talking about these guys. But a thing that um, going back to POV, it, it seems like George C. Scott's version of Scrooge wants you to know that he is in charge. That is what his Scrooge wants is to be the boss. Whereas yeah. I feel like Alistair Sim's Scrooge wants to be left alone. Yeah, exactly. So everything kind of comes through that filter. George C. Scott's, even his little like scoffing joke to Marley is to put Marley in his place in that moment. It's I'm the one in charge here. And when he's with Fred and with Bob at the beginning, even with the ghosts, he's, he's, he seems to be trying to assert himself. That makes sense. Absolutely. That's very astute. And that's where the interpretation comes in, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're hurt your entire life in these, in these inflection points, do you, all of a sudden become about control because there are so many things that have been out of your control that now you're going to try to control everything. Or do you just want the world to like, I've had the crap beat out of me enough. I just want to be left alone. I have enough money. Mm-hmm. I don't care about anybody else because if you get close to somebody, you're just going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that we don't really see that the path that gets him there, but we see the result of that. You know what I mean? We don't see much of his calcifying happen. We see a little bit of it happen with his fiance at the beginning, um, you know, during the Ghost of Christmas Past. But all of that later, we don't see his later adulthood of him just getting going from bad to worse. We see him going from good to bad. Another thing that I think is interesting is that Mr. Finney, who's also great in the musical. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he's only in his 30s when he played it. So he's wearing old man makeup. So he's Mm -hmm. one of the few actors who actually plays young adult Scrooge. Usually they have an older actor and they cast a young man as young Scrooge. And again, because that's the nature of that production, he then has the advantage of a little more roundedness of character, because Mm -hmm. I think what he does as young Scrooge is particularly compelling and kind of tells us a lot about him. And because it's the same actor, there's a power to that. Yeah. His young Scrooge is kind of shy. You can sort of see where, to use your word, where he calcified where these sort of mm-hmm. his shyness and his concern about money is sort of calcified and, and turned him into who he is. So I think Finney has a big advantage because he gets to play the young version. So we see this one guy playing all the facets of this character. Usually they just cast a guy who kind of looks like the Scrooge. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but doesn't quite, but doesn't quite land just by nature mm-hmm. of having another guy walk in at the movie doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily land in the same way, you know? 
Yeah. How do you feel? I know how Mark feels. I know how I feel, but I assume you've seen a Muppet Christmas Carol maybe before even the run up to this. Well, as you know, I am not a millennial, so I did not grow up with it. Correct. But I saw it for the first time a couple of days ago. What did you think of that? Because just to throw my two cents in, I love, I think Michael Caine does a really good, performing with the Muppets is an art in and of itself. That I Absolutely. Think he, he pulls off really well by never breaking that reality, but he's also mm-hmm. like headlong into this, this character of Scrooge. So he's not playing him for laughs. He's playing him as if he's in almost yeah. any other version you could think of. I totally agree. And he plays him, uh, yeah, he plays it straight and he, he plays it in a kind of simply, he, you know, mm-hmm. which is sort of the way to do it. You know, he doesn't muppet it up. He's not acting like he's in a sketch on the Muppet show. Right. He's doing a very filmic performance too. That might let Michael Caine come through in that because when I watched, my thought was of all the Scrooges, cause you know, you, there's so many similarities. You try to find, we're trying to find these differences between them. I think one thing, and it could be that he's playing it that simply is the reason that this happened because I know and love Michael Caine from movies is I feel like Scrooge, his version of Scrooge, you can actually see the nugget that becomes the ending Scrooge mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. beginning. You know what I mean? Like you were mentioning before, Hal, his Scrooge doesn't seem, of course he seems mean, but there's also a little bit of hurt in there. Yeah. He's, he's steeled by it. Like you see yeah. how easily he weeps <laughs> at other things. Cause that, and, and if he, there's a little bit of control in that, right? Like if yeah. I, if I just get angry instead, then I don't have to be hurt. So I'm mm-hmm. going to turn, I'm going to emotionally, I'm going to, I'm more about emotional control than, than the actual. Control yes. And that's yeah. a very canny way to play it too, because that's a very unique production because he's literally acting with puppets. So the whole, mm-hmm. so it's basically a panto, an old yeah. style British pantomime, you know, which is going to lead with the comedy and these big characters. And then he comes in, he has and the advantage of, first of all, of being Michael Caine. So as soon mm-hmm. as he appears on screen, the audience has an emotion. Or, you know, here's, here's our old friend, Michael Caine. And then he basically does a very filmic underplayed performance, but it works because, because like I said earlier, you still need a kind of Dickensian theatricality, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And he sort of has that, but he tends to do a more, what we'd think of as, of a modern film performance, but it totally works because it's a balance because he's acting with these puppets and it, it really works. Like he really lands it. Yeah. So he's great too. It's it's hard to say who's best. It's sort of like for me, it's just like what's the one that you're sort of drawn to the most for your own personal reasons, you know? James, <laughs> this show that is the point of this show, my okay, friend. Good, thank we you. We are glad making I objective the subject. <laughs> we finally brought you into the octagon so you can feel the pain. That's right. We chose to be here. We all did. Yeah, we have no one to blame but ourselves. <laughs> You mentioned the the uh, the underplaying of the Michael Caine interpretation. Now I want to go to the full Dickensian over the top giant performance from substitute Scrooge Reginald Owen, who I uh, love. Who, I, now I love this performance. Love this it. is Reginald Owen. Scrooge is the is the one I grew up on. Mm-hmm. That is that is my big flashy over the top like wow right down, right down to his hair and makeup. The hair and Which makeup is, is great. insanity in it. The little koosh ball of white on top of his head. <laughs> he's he's styled and somewhat performs it physically as a caricature. Mm-hmm. He he like, kind of looks oh, it's like very it. over the top. Yeah, his 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 costume is sort of this tight fitting but kind of very Dickensian looking. Mm-hmm. He, he looks like an illustration from the original story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, now, wait, I just want to ask, was that on TV a lot when you grew up or something? How did you see it? I watched it because it was my dad's favorite version and we had a VHS copy of oh. it when I was a little kid. And then as soon as it came out on DVD, we had a DVD copy of it. Always black and white, too. It. We didn't do the colorized. Until when? Until uh, like a, w- a week ago or something. Yeah, when I, yeah. I, I've spent the last couple of weeks watching like all the movies that we had on the list. Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, there was a list of, you know, <laughs> productions. And I love Great him. Scrooges. But the other thing about him is he actually plays it uh, very directly and kind of simply. I think he's almost mm-hmm. uh, uh, across the decades. Uh, I think he Michael Caine is sort of still in his tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. where he's very funny, but he plays the humor. Uh, he kind of underplays the humor. And then at the end, he has genuine, very palpable emotion in his sort of joy and, and oh, yeah. delight at the end. So he kind of covers all the bases. And I think it's an excellent performance. I love it. And it's, it's, a it's good like production. it's on stage. It yeah, feels like a stage I mean, performance. Ostensibly, but I think he also he does this thing, which I think is important, where mm. it's the balance. I think he's he's very he's theatrical, but he's not. Mm. Here's what I would argue. Mm. He's theatrical, but he's not stagey. It doesn't stand out like this yeah. belongs on a stage. It works in the movie. And he yeah. he is he's a very smart actor and he's part of it is geared towards the camera. He doesn't overplay mm. it. He kind of he knows that he's got this crazy you know, tuft of hair on the top of his yeah. head. And and the and terrible, this- terrible makeup that I don't know if you guys know, hit pause during the scene where he's yeah. uh, in his brilliant monologue at the end. He's amazing in that monologue, but it is hard not to look at the jowls that are falling off his face. If you watch it. That's in the, well, I looked it up and he's like in his fifties when he shot it. So he's not super yeah. young, but he's not super old either. And then making him look older that he's supposed yeah. to be like in his seventies or whatever. Yeah. Right. But I think he's, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I got to say, I've been drifting towards him as one of my favorites. I mean, With all my due respect personal, to these other brilliant actors. Now, yeah. I got to say, Mr. Magoo is also excellent. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Mr. Magoo is great. Scrooge McDuck was great. Scrooge McDuck is good. I And Mr. Magoo is the one that I watched a lot in my childhood and sure. loved. Mm-hmm. It's got a great score. I think it ha- of the musical ones, it has the best score, I would argue, by Julie yeah. Stein and Bob Merrill, who wrote Funny Girl. The yeah. songs are killer. And I, you can tell that the people making that production are taking it very seriously. I know mm-hmm. Magoo is not going to win Best Scrooge, but Magoo's qualities totally work for Scrooge. That it's kind of a really good call. Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, the great thing about that is it begins with an ode to Broadway. There's a framing device where Mr. Magoo himself is playing mm-hmm. Scrooge on Broadway. And that's the framing device of the show. So I guess good. just so people in 1962 wouldn't be confused. They go, why are they calling him Scrooge? It's clearly Mr. Magoo. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a big number in the beginning that has nothing to do with the Christmas Carol or Christmas, where they're like, we're going on Broadway. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and we see Mr. Magoo runs into the theater. He's late. He gets into his costume really quick, and then the play begins. And every time there's an act break, we see an audience applauding. It's fantastic. <laughs> it I kind of feel like every production should have done that. Albert Finney it should like, just be a play. Set. Here's Albert Finney. Hooray yeah. for movies. We're doing a Scrooge. <laughs> Rich Little is W.C. Fields. Yeah. W.C. Fields is on I, Broadway as Scrooge. I have a vague memory of Rich Little's special where he does celebrity impressions. It's very strange. Richard Nixon is Marley, and instead of the chains, it's yeah. the uh, the missing tapes. 
of or course. what's draped over him. Of course it is. I have a, a friend who, <laughs> I, I have a friend who saw uh, Rich Little do a live performance Ooh. in the nineties and saw him come out of the stage door at the end with wearing a members only jacket that had a mustard stain on it. So when somebody mentions Rich Little, all I think of is a sad Rich Little. That's beautiful. Mustard stained jacket after a show that in my mind was only my friend who told the story and one other person who was either asleep or unwrapping candy the whole time. Is it specifically mustard that if you have mustard on your jacket, then you automatically live with Millhouse's dad in bachelor arms apartments? Yes. It's a blot of mustard. That's uh, a crumb of of cheese. No. Members only jackets tended to be mustard colored or at least in that uh, area. Yeah, sort or, of yellowish. Or it could be like a gray, like tan, a gray yes. or a tan. I, I imagine mm-hmm. it being whatever color most sets off the mustard stain, which would probably I think be this gray. is a great, I think what happened is before the show, he grabbed a hot dog from a street vendor. Yeah. And a little dribbled yeah. on. And I mean, to me, that's the life. Hot dog from <laughs> that's street theater, vendor. baby. That's go theater. Do, go do your one man show, get applause, then leave. And notice it's it when it. you get home. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I imagine he got the hot dog when he went to take a bite. The hot dog shot out the far end and just must have <laughs> squirted onto his jacket. Yeah. Went, Great. And then it started raining just on him. But maybe I'm oh my wrong. God. I hope it's your thing, James, because it's a lot nicer. Behind the laughter. Rich Little behind the laughter. And we have to take a quick break <laughs> in just a second. But before okay. we do that, I want to see if we can make our list. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the contenders on this list and we'll see if we can narrow it down to. Yes, right. James, objectively choosing a very subjective thing. Yes. If we had to make a top Let's say five with some room for a couple others if they show up on the list. Okay. We've talked about a few of them. There's at least one big one we haven't talked about. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh, my God. That, we, that's all other episode. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> I, I just watched I that. Say, yeah. Gary Oldman is my He's favorite. He's not terrible. Marley. Gary Oldman is my favorite Marley, 100%. And Molly Quinn oh, well, of this show is my favorite of the Cratchit kids. That's right. By the way, sidebar, I know we're about to break, but my favorite Marley mm-hmm. is Michael Horton from the sim version okay but i'll get into that later yeah but you want to make the list so i would say Let's make the list uh, can we start chronologically and consider like reginald owen i think should be sure. on there i yeah. think we should go chronologically sounds good reginald I owen think definitely alistair Ale- sim alistair sure. sim is is yeah. a very ubiquitous one the afore i it may not be in order but the aforementioned george c scott i think should be there mm-hmm. yes uh, i think albert finney I 100% believe Mr. Finney should be on there. Mm-hmm. And then we have some, you know, we haven't mentioned Mr. Patrick Stewart. Sure. Yeah. Which uh, I'm just throwing that out there uh, for your reaction. We can talk about it. We'll talk about him after the break. So I think and, he should be yeah, on the list I'm to talk about on it. We'll yeah. put him on. The, I think that's sort of a good list. Is there anyone? And else uh, Michael Caine. Oh, and Michael Caine. Michael. I think we should put Michael Caine on there. Hello. My name. Kelsey Grammer. Not bad in the musical version. The music's Kelsey, great. It's the Alan Menken music. Kelsey Grammer's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I feel like Kelsey Grammer is a little indicating in that production and doesn't yeah. quite, doesn't quite dredge up the emotion. He has the razzle dazzle, yeah. but I feel like the emotions aren't quite summoned up. He's, he's uh, never been the same since he fell off the stage at that Disney presentation. That's right. <laughs> in our home, the Hyperion Theater. Oh dear God. Oh dear God. All right, so we have our six. Reginald Owen, Alistair Sim, George C. Scott, Albert Finney, Patrick Stewart, and Michael Caine. We will be right back. Oh, Can I just say, can we consider Bill Murray? Because I know he's not literally Scrooge, but I feel like he does hit all the buttons that we're talking about, and maybe we can doodle him in the margins. Yeah, (laughs) I I think that's great. Okay. (laughs) 
All right. All right. We will hear now from some of the great products that sponsor this show. To them, we say thank you. And to you, we say we will be right back. Did you ever pull into the driveway after a trip to the grocery store only to realize that you forgot the one key ingredient for dinner? Now you have options, right? You can get the groceries you need and go back out or get a backup meal from your favorite local restaurant delivered with DoorDash. I love DoorDash. use it all the time. It allows me to not only get food from my favorite restaurants, but also to try new places in my neighborhood that I haven't tried before, all from the comfort of my home. You can get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. And in addition to the restaurants you love, You can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. I've done local. I've done national chains. It's all great. All gets delivered, and it's ready to go. That is the best part. So convenient. And it opens up all the different places you might try in your neighborhood. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code WEGOTTHIS. That's 25% off, up to $10 value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code WEGOTTHIS. Don't forget, that's code WEGOTTHIS for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have, life can be stressful. We've all been going through it this year. I know I've been going through it. I've had financial changes, life changes, relationship changes, and I am trying to navigate it. I just started personally with BetterHelp like a month ago, and I love it. It is my first experience with therapy. Shout out to my therapist. They are amazing. Just had a conversation today and it always brightens my day. Okay, you may not be feeling like down and out or completely depressed or like you're at a total loss, but you know, even if it's just that your stress is high and you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload it, get it out, talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life, someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything, and you will be surprised how much it can help. It really is true. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, and it can be more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and We Got This listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash we got this. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash we got this. And we're back. All right. We've got our list, fellas. How do you want to approach this? Wow. You tell me. It's your show. How do you want to talk about the individual performances? Do you want to talk about different elements of the performance and then see if there's an MVP for some of the, like, you want to talk about the opening scene? Who's got the best version of the angry opening Scrooge scene? Who's got the best version of the closer? The moment with Marley or the moment with Christmas Future? What do you think? I think we may already know the short list off of that five. There are six. Actually, six. seven with Bill we Murray. Included, we included Bill Murray. Okay, well, uh, let's touch on the ones we haven't touched yeah, on. Yeah, let's touch on them. Let's so we have Mr. Patrick Stewart, who yeah. definitely brings the old theatricality to it, which I feel is is an essential ingredient. Mm-hmm. 
which has to be balanced. But it still feels somehow understated in his version to me. Yes. And he, of course, famously has done a one man show for years. And I believe he had done the one man show before that production. Mm. So, you know, he's he's been deep inside that character. And as you know, if you're deep inside a character, you've done it play for a long time. You can throw it away Mm -hmm. uh, in a powerful way. Where you, meaning you can underplay it because the emotions are still there. And I feel he really delivers the emotions at the end of the movie, too. So I think he he's also the first completely bald Scrooge. just want to point that out. No. He doesn't wear a hairpiece. They didn't put the little tuft on top of his no head tuft. like they did for Reginald Owen. No tuft. No, sleep, no tuft. Sleep, uh, he does look like uh, Mickey from Rocky when he sleeps. <laughs> that, that, you're gonna go to sleep now scrooge you're gonna hit that pillow so hard but i do and i feel that patrick stewart has a very strong inner life in that performance mm-hmm. and that his theatricality yeah. where and sometimes patrick stewart it seems a little too theatrical in other things mm-hmm. but in this i think he's just right you know he's got a shakespearean background uh but i gotta say i'm not as and it's just that ineffable thing where i'm not as drawn to his performance so I wouldn't necessarily, if we're narrowing down, yeah. I'd say maybe we have to sacrifice Captain Picard. I feel the same me. way. I, did. I think he's very good. I think some of these other guys are more iconically Scrooge. Yeah. And now Mr. Bill Murray, I think, is actually great in that movie. Mm-hmm. If you think about all the elements we're talking about, it's it's kind of fun because his 80s Bill Murray persona is a scoundrel, a rogue. In this case, he's just pushing it even further. So he's a complete malevolent And then he's genuinely emotional at the end. And I think a very moving way. I think he really monologue. It's great. It's really beautiful. And so he hits all the beats. It's he's playing a guy who is aware of the story, a Christmas Carol and is producing a production of it. And then goes through the same experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think he's really good. I don't know. I don't know that he could win because he's literally not playing Ebenezer Scrooge. So that's, that's just the nature of the contest. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want to give him think credit. That, yeah. As we vote perfect. him off the island, I want to give him credit for hitting all the beats. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's, he's, I, I mean, we all know he's a world class performer. So, but he really, he really delivers in that movie. That movie could have been much more superficial, but he really brings heart to it. And it's, you know, so hats off to Bill Murray, but I think maybe he gets voted off Scrooge Island as well, just because. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I agree. <laughs> all right. This is, this is not as hard as it felt because I love all Now these there are five. <laughs> now there, and then there were five. It's an I feel like now we're just into elimination mode. <laughs> who, who else? Do, is there something we haven't touched on? We haven't talked at all about one of the big guns, really. And that's Alistair Sim. Alistair Sim. Oh. Okay. I, I think, what did you guys think of Alistair Sim's version? I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's, one of the best directed productions overall. Yeah. And he, he lands essentially as a comic actor, but mm-hmm. he has an almost demonic energy mm-hmm. where Alistair Sim just that he's got this incredible face and he just looks like he'd be capable of some very bad things. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I buy, I buy he's got the giant and, teeth. Yeah. He has a demonic quality in a way. Yeah. So I, I buy the malevolence and but he's he's like a very electric, kinetic performer. Watching it again, I realized he reminds me a little of Christopher Lloyd. It just in sort of yes. in his energy <laughs> and his sort of his kind of demonic electricity. And well, that it's interesting that you mentioned that it's kinetic, because when I watched it, it felt to me like like his Scrooge felt like 
like I'd said before with the whole point of view thing or the uh, interpretation being, I just want to be left alone versus George C. Scott's I want to be yes. in charge. His I just want to be left alone feels almost like Bruce Banner. Like it's, look, just everybody leave me the hell alone. You don't want me to get angry. You won't like what I am like once I'm angry. Especially even the scene that they made up at the very top of the movie where he has a moment with a creditor of his, you know, he says he can't pay him. And he says, why should your problem suddenly become my problem? He has a look of like, I might cane you to death on these steps. Yes. And there's, there's a compressed energy. And then I think he is the best happy Scrooge where he, Oh, his happy Scrooge is so good. His happy Scrooge is incredible. It's this release. Mm -hmm. And it's also really funny, but also he, it's very tied to the emotion. Like I would argue that our beloved Kelsey Grammer is sort of showing a happy man, whereas Sim literally is a happy man who's actually bordering on insanity. (laughs) But that that ties into his his happy Scrooge. And there there are a lot of great performances. No, there aren't any bad ones on this short list. His, to me, feels the most earned because it's just a reverse of the energy he has when he's he's in his most tortured state. Yeah. High energy then. That's right. So... Him jumping around and scaring the yes. scullery maid or what or whatever it is. He slides down the banister. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of that stuff is 100% in line with who that guy is. Instead, if you replace all that hate and hurt with just yeah. joy and appreciativeness. And it really mm-hmm. feels. Yeah. Yes. And it really feels like it's out of his hands. He's He's filled with this joy mm-hmm. and it never seems forced. It doesn't seem like an actor showing you something. It's big and theatrical, but it really feels like a guy who can't help himself. And it's really quite glorious. Yeah. And also really funny. (laughs) Yes. It's so fun. And he's got that scene with the scene on the sitting on the stairs with his maid. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's the Alistair Sim version that I'm thinking of. Where where she starts screaming because he does that. Yes. And they headstand in the chair. Yeah, that's a great yeah. moment where he kind of s- tries to calmly explain what's going on. And then he can't help himself. And he like he messes his hair up to act yeah. crazy. Like yeah. he starts getting into pranking, you know, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's I a really good. That is a, that's a great beat where he sits on the stairs. Yeah. Of, no, no, it's OK. You have to understand. And then he can't help himself. And he, like he makes a crazy face <laughs> like it's deliberately that, just. Yeah. And then she gets freaked out and runs away. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a great bridge. I like him as a bridge between the Reginald Owen version and practically any version that came after the subtler. It feels like, it feels like he gave a permission to be manic mm-hmm. that I don't know that it became a blueprint, but it became just a permission that every actor yeah. can go to and they all do it in their own way, which is great. But his makes the most sense because it, it comes out of who he is. By the mm-hmm. way, can I just do a very quick sidebar and just sure. praise Michael Horton, who plays Marley in that production, mm-hmm. who does a 19th century thing where he's moaning Scrooge. But he really seems like a guy who's trapped, whose energy is not his own. And he makes Marley incredibly specific and actually quite haunting. And he basically utilizes the vocabulary of sort of a dated style of 19th century acting very deliberately Mm -hmm. and basically makes it like, this is the way this guy speaks. This guy is just in constant torment. And it goes beyond being a parody of an acting style to... A very specific character choice. And I think he's he's my favorite Marley. No relation to my favorite Martian, yeah, by the way. That's fair. <laughs> which is which I is, love to uh, throw that out. While we're throwing out shout outs to Marley's, I want to give it a shout out <laughs> to one specific moment 
that Leo G. Carroll has in the original 1938. Yes. When, as he's leaving, he says, uh, expect the first at one, the second at two, and the third at three. And Scrooge goes, can't I just have them all at once and be over with it? And Leo G. Carroll turns around and gives him the slowest B. Arthur double take. <laughs> and it is. And then he turns right back. He's headed toward the window to leave, but he turns around, gives him a B. Arthur double take and then goes to the window. And it is delightful. I love Leo G. Carroll. And Leo G. Carroll, of course, as you know, Hitchcock used him all the time, basically as the explainer. Like in North mm-hmm. by Northwest, he's the head of the CIA. Well, we created this fictitious person. And Rebecca, he's the doctor who explains. And I, you know, I realized that Marley is also basically an explainer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a classically. Here is the plot of the story you are about to unfold. Yeah. Oh, and then we also have to give a shout out to Alec Guinness, who does a really delightful Marley in the Finney version, uh, geared more comedically. Yeah. Uh, that scene, but beautiful. And he also has an incredible physics. He's always a wonderfully physical actor. But he he has a wonderful physical presence as Marley in that movie too. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Marley. Well, let's talk. So we've got. So is there? We I guess we just need to start eliminating some of these. Is there anybody yeah. that we haven't who's left? So who who we have left is Reginald Owen, Alistair Sim, uh, George C. Scott, Albert Finney, and Michael Caine. All right. Well, I would gently eliminate Michael Caine. Just yeah. just uh, I don't know. Just because I don't know why. I just feel like he doesn't. He's great for all the reasons we said, but it's just the movie, the, the movie itself is so peculiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I love uh, the movie, but yeah, I mean, you know, argue with me. I just, I'm not as drawn to his. So that's mm-hmm. just me. You yeah. guys argue for or against. I can't argue against that. I actually agree. Uh, it's yeah. I, I don't think it's him as much as I love. I, I'm, I'm, with you, I'm also with Mark, and then I love that version it's, of it. It's an institutional issue. Not that it's a bad movie. It's just he. I'm not as drawn to him because of the circumstances right. of the movie that he's in. I don't know. Sure. He's All right, also so a he's, very straightforward Scrooge, but his straightforward Scrooge exists because of the performances of these other Scrooges. Exactly. And, it's, and because of who he's acting with in the film. Yeah. That's true. But if we're looking at, if we're shining a light, if we're pinning him to the board like a butterfly, it's not mm-hmm. as compelling or dimensional a Scrooge by our ruthless standards of this podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our world. Sorry, Michael. Sorry. We love you though. Mark, you want to eliminate one now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is tough. It's tough. I hate taking because all four of these are brilliant. Yeah. But one of them's going to hate you forever when you eliminate one of them's going to hate me forever. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe he will never sign my album of his because I do own Albert Finney's album, which is a wonderful piece of Albert Finney just taking his journal and a bottle of bourbon to an orchestra in London and saying, set this to music and have me talk. It's an insane album and it's really, really fun. This is the first I've heard of it, but I'm, oh, it's going to be my first Google after this uh, podcast. It's just called Albert Finney's album. Incredible. And it's, it's <laughs> no wonderful. Thrills. I think his Scrooge is brilliant. I will say that. I think he got to play young Scrooge and older Scrooge. I think that his Scrooge is brilliant. It is a little bit of a caricature, but I think it has to be because he doesn't, he has to add the physical layer on top 
of him being a guy in his 30s playing a guy in his 70s. Yeah. And it is a musical, so it's a bit more of an over-the-top performance of Scrooge. I'm only eliminating him because I think the other three just have an edge. I don't think there's anything wrong with his performance. Yes, and again, it has to do with the movie that he's in. It's not just yeah. him himself. That, yeah. that movie is leading with the comedy, and he is giving a very fun comic performance. And then he's such a, yeah. he has such an easy command as an actor. Yeah. You know, and that's there. But yes, I would agree that sadly, this is a very sad episode. We have to sort of sadly send him adrift. Yeah. Al, what do you think? I, uh, so we're down to Reginald Owen, Elster Sim and, and George C. Scott. Oh my God. This is yeah. very exciting. I know this is tough. I, you know, this is a surprisingly easy cut for me. Let's Although I love his performance and revisiting it was really nice because, because of the reasons I outlined earlier. I love the little moments he takes. I love the lines he turns into into asides. That mm-hmm. enough to make him enough to make you think that he still might believe at certain points that it's still inside his own head. He's not a hundred percent sure if this is a ghost or not, but he's scared yes. enough to call for mercy. But I'm gonna have to deduct points because there were a few moments where I heard the American accent come through. Oh, I heard it come through just a little, uh, just a little bit, and it doesn't kill it, but it's enough that we have to give. The edge to the two OGs, George C. Scott, I'm eliminating. Wow. I will accept that. And it goes without saying that he makes, he really makes it very fresh and he's emotionally, but I, and I also would, I agree with your decision. I also think his Americanism is actually an asset in a way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about before, the kind of hard ass energy. There's something distinctly yeah. American about his take, but I don't think it works against the character. Also, that's a production that was produced in 84. It's the Reagan-Thatcher era. And I think they're quite deliberately responding to the Finney version and going, okay, let's take this seriously again and lead with sort of the drama and the social (laughs) issues, which it does very well without being boring like the Guy Pierce version. No disrespect to Guy Pierce, just the production. But I agree. I think we can set him off in the boat. That's my metaphor now. They're going off in a little rowboat, uh, leaving Scrooge Island here. What do you think? Into the mist. (laughs) Into the it's interesting that you mentioned the <laughs> that that was of that era, you know, Reagan Thatcher era, because the scene with ignorance and want in yes, that which is a very hard scene to pull is, off, by the way. Yeah, exactly. It's brutal in that version. Yeah, and that no. feels like a direct response to one hundred percent capitalism not paying attention to the poor. No, but, it is wow, the that scene is tough. It is the woke version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. It's the most Boy, woke it version. <laughs> it's really good. It's it's 100% yeah. good, but it doesn't lead with the comedy the way other ones do. Or it, mm. it doesn't, there's not as much. Anyway, okay, so he, so we just have these two. We have Mr. Owen and Mr. Sim. This yes. is a yeah. tough one. Wh- which one do you For you, James? We will this abide is, by your decision. This is very difficult. Um, yeah. I got to say, I love them both. I think they're both delightful. For some reason, I am just... The one I reflect on more is Mr. Owen, the OG, the original gangster. That's your pick. My pick is Mr. Owen, but I love everything that Mr. Sim does. And it's this is just, again, purely subjective, but we've been over this many times during this episode. This is weird. I defer defer, defer to the hosts. Oh, no, there's no deferring. This is we have been doing this round robin (laughs) style. So it does all come down to your decision in this moment. But, but we will what are your, you up. What are your feelings? I think it's a fine choice. I don't think we could have gone uh, yeah. along with with any of the last three. And I think I think it's br- he's nice brilliant to to having the real like live action film originator of the role mm-hmm. as the greatest that everybody else puts their own spin on the character. But 
that's really the iconic. If it if it hadn't been a great performance, yes. what are the chances that that had been that would have been made again? Just because yeah. filmmakers might have looked at it and said, "Well, it works well as a as either a radio play or as a book, but it just doesn't work on film." So yeah, failed, and I so. think yeah, he really and he he also he's very specific, and he's again he's very funny, but in a very subtle way. Yeah, and his this beautiful shot at the end, like the God bless us everyone, the final shot where he's smiling mm-hmm. and he's just emanating this uh, <laughs> this joy where he he seems imbued by something. Like he really he digs yeah. deep into the character, and all these other actors find parallels to that. But he right out of the gate in thirty eight, he's doing that, and I just I keep reflecting on his choices just as an actor. Uh, so he's the winner, eh? Yeah. He's the winner. May I, before you issue your uh, proclamation, Hal, may I read you something? Just that a, a thing that I think is, I, I earlier I called him the substitute Scrooge. So I'm delighted that he won this episode. May I read you a brief blurb from 1938 in the New York Times? Yes, this is a review or an article? No, this is, this is an article. Okay. And I, if I may. Please. Screen new. <clears throat> Whoa, boy, then my voice broke there. <clears throat> you're you're, you're doing news. 30s voice. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing 30s voice. Yeah. <laughs> Screen news here and in Hollywood. Lionel Barrymore quits role in Christmas Carol. Owen replaces him as Scrooge. Reginald Owen has replaced Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge in Dickens' A Christmas Carol. The Metro cameras will turn next week. Barrymore asked to be relieved of the assignment because of ill health. And Owen, who had been cast as the ghost of Jacob Marley, was switched to the leading role. That's so, fascinating. I had done a little Googling about it, and I, yeah. I I had read that Lionel Barrymore was supposed to do it. I didn't realize that Owen was playing Marley. Well, that all worked out, and I'm sure Mr. Yeah, Barrymore would, would have been a great Scrooge. Yeah, and, Look, Barrymore and, has his own Christmas classic. Interesting. Yeah, a, a, 100% he got his own, and an American right out of the gate would have been interesting, too. Mm, yeah. I believe Reginald Owen is actually British. I mean, his name is Reginald Owen, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad that's one of those happy accidents where it worked yeah. out. Much like Judy Garland uh replacing Shirley Temple. Replacing Shirley Temple, yes. Yes. All right, Hal, wrap us up. People of the world. You there, Gagliardi boy. Who, me, sir? What is the day? Today, why it's 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 uh choose the best Scrooge Day. Oh, but I haven't missed it. Hey, you you know those Scrooge actors around the corner? Oh, you mean the ones twice as big as me? Twice as big as me, intelligent boy, clever boy. Go there and bring me back Reginald Owen. I'll give you half a shilling. If you bring him back in under five minutes, it'll be a full crown. Whoosh! There you go. This is a little flavor of the best Scrooge being brought around the corner where the fudge is also made, who is coming back. Uh, the, the OG, the original stepping in, pinch hitting for one of yeah. the greatest actors of all time. Oh, and here I am, boys. I'm Reginald Owen from the oh, great beyond. I'm probably back, old. sir. Reginald I'm Owen, thank you. Really taking there were so wonderful times back at MGM back then. You'd see all the famous people in the commissary. And Mr. Mayer was very gruff, but had a lovable quality. He was a bit of a Scrooge himself. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate this. And God bless us, everyone. Oh, thank you, Reginald. Thank wow. You. Reginald Owen. Wow. wow. That's Reginald amazing. Owen. Reginald Owen. Now we have to cook him and feed him to Bob Cratchit, right? It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so rare that the winner shows up to receive their award. It's the first time ever, I think. <laughs> he's, and I'm he's, here for it. He's a good Englishman with good manners. Yes. That's right. And he's the best Scrooge asked and answered. James Urbaniak, thank you for joining us. It's such thank a pleasure you. to have you. Thank you. It was a delight. And, and I will keep Chris, I will live in the past, present, and future and, and <laughs> spread the, whatever he says. 
God bless us, everyone. Where would you like people to go to find out the latest James Urbaniak news or anything? At James Urbaniak on the Twitter is is the uh, the main one. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, nothing to plug in particular at the moment. <laughs> but a great archive and library of work, both past and current, that people can check out and enjoy. As present and future. <laughs> oh, and the, well, we there is them all in our hearts. Since we're all part of the Venture Brothers family, I will mention, people probably know this, the show was canceled, but we are doing a feature length episode. It will be on Adult Swim, but not for like a year or whatever. A special episode where we say God bless us, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) Well, this topic is closed, but there are more, many topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or... You can email us at wegotthispodcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group to talk about the Scrooge performances that you love and any performances or anything you want. Just come to the group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus for this wonderful and graphically beautiful list. Graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you the people of the world for giving us a chance to sit down and talk with a dear friend of ours about a topic that clearly we all love in the words of Scrooge. Thank you very, very, very much. <laughs> for Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.